Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? I hope someone gets this message soon because I'm trapped in the crawl space under my house. Now, I don't want you to worry. It's, it's not like someone kidnapped me and trapped me under here. I, I went under to work on the insulation and, um, I kinda got myself stuck. So, uh, send help so I can get back to work on the bloodstream. Welcome aboard, streamers. This is episode 11 of the Bloodstream, and I am your host, Jason Gray, which is something I don't think I have said since one of the very first episodes. I really don't point that out often enough, do I? This week on the Bloodstream, I took a look at a little movie called The Crawl Space. Now I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking of an early 80s movie called Crawl Space, which was actually really good. This is not that movie, because if it was that movie, it would have brought me joy. Instead, I watched The Crawl Space, which is a little movie from 2006, written, directed, and starring Chris Schwartz. Probably never heard of him, and that's okay because that's what we do here on The Bloodstream. We find the unknown stuff, we watch it so you don't have to. It's a fairly no-budget affair, which doesn't even have a trailer that I could find. There might be one out there somewhere, but good luck looking up movies called Crawl Space. You know how many I found? I could literally do two months of episodes just on movies called Crawl Space. Instead, I just did this one, because I hate myself. Since I couldn't find the trailer, and I still kind of like having a little musical interlude between my intro for the episode and actually talking about the movie, I'll still drop in a little bit of music here, and that will be Watch You Crawl by Red, because somewhat appropriate. It's not going to be the whole song. I didn't want to take up nearly four whole minutes of your time. It'll just be a, a, about half of it or so. So enjoy the music, and I will be back shortly.
space is pretty basic for a plot. You've got a guy trapped in a crawl space by someone else, a mysterious figure speaking, basically being a voice of God from above, or on a phone in this case. And, uh, you know, your general mystery of why he's trapped there, how does he get out, usual stuff. To be fair, this is pretty much a Saw knockoff, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's a perfectly fine genre of movie. It's one of my favorite subgenres of horror, you know, I like the idea of people trapped in a place with no idea how they got there and trying to figure out what's going on. The movie starts off with a different guy trapped in the crawl space and introduces us to the idea with him making his one phone call out to try to get help. And that's a good enough place to start with the clips, so let's get into it. Mom? Dad? It's Brent. I'm leaving this message because I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I've been captured and I'm being held in some sort of crawl space. My captor's playing some sort of sick game with me. He's obsessed with control. He believes that this is some sort of reality show that he designed. I've been here for two days. He claims he'll let me go on the third. I'll try to make it through, but I'm wounded really bad. In case I don't make it through, I just want you guys to know that I love you both. Okay, now, see, this is a fair enough idea for a movie. His delivery is a little monotone, but that's understandable too. But I do have one question, and I am going to ask this question repeatedly throughout this review. Why no call cops? It comes up at one point, but it never really explained why no one bothers to call the police. At least not in any satisfactory way. But get you to me wondering why no one calls the cops, and every time I ask it, feel free to take a drink if you want to turn this into a game. Our first victim starts wandering around the crawl space trying to find a way out, which probably should have been done before now, but cinematic license. He doesn't really have any great ideas, so he starts rubbing the chain up against the steel I-beam to try to break that for whatever reason. Doesn't seem terribly effective, but in light of any better ideas, hey, any crawl space in a storm. He eventually gets another call from the cheap jigsaw knockoff, and I don't just say that because he has a really lame voice changer. This guy also has a philosophy about why he's doing all this, which is honestly just as silly as jigsaws, but doesn't seem as well thought out. We get a hint of it here with his next phone call. You hunger for freedom, yet freedom is a delicacy you will never taste again. Your body may leave the crawl space, but your mind never will. You will be haunted in your dreams forever, and forever you will watch your back. And whenever you're not looking, that's where I'll be, standing behind you, watching, waiting. Because I know how you function. When you complete one task, you move on to the next. You walk away and never look back. That's how we work as humans. You'd do the same. Would I? There's another call almost immediately after that, and the Jigsaw wannabe says, Hey, the latch is off the door. You're free to go. So that was all pointless. 
The guy crawls over to where the voice says the way out should be, but hoops, it's actually been booby trapped with a shotgun to go off when he pulls open the door. But it doesn't just go off suddenly when he opens the door like one would expect. There's an awkward pause where he opens the door, the guy gets to stare at the gun for a few seconds, literally a few seconds, and we get enough time to watch him go bug-eyed before the gun finally goes off. Or, you know, what would have been enough time for any normal person to roll out of the way and then run off. Good idea, kinda failed on the editing there. And really, this is so unfair. Jigsaw at least gives his victims a sporting chance. But all that was basically just a short tease of things to come, setting up the stakes, so we know what we're getting into now that we start with the actual star of the movie, the main character, Mike. He does the usual thing where, you know, he wakes up here, doesn't know how he got there, doesn't know why. We've seen the setup, uh, ooh, at least seven times or so now. Our first victim at least had the good fortune to have some drop lights hanging around so we could see what's going on, but when Mike wakes up, all we get for a while is everything filmed in Danko vision. He does eventually find the plug-in extension cord, so it's not an entire film in Danko vision, which I am thankful for. In the dank, Mike manages to see another body, crawls over to it, and finds it all wrapped up in plastic. Tries to wake the person up, but let me tell you, once you've gotten the Laura Palmer treatment, they're gone. He gets the lights on, as I said before, and he moves the body, and it is so clearly a dummy, just by the way it moves when he tries to roll it around. Or, should I say, by the way it doesn't move. But now that he's got some light and poked at the dead body a bit, Mike starts to take in his surroundings, poking at the walls. But before he can get too far, the phone rings. Hello? Hello. Who is this? I am... the director. Did you put me in this place? Is this your place? Yes. What the hell are you doing? Is this some stupid game? Is it? No. This is no game. This is reality. What is your problem? Just let me go. I'm not playing your stupid game. Do you wish to die? What do you think? No, we don't want to die. Uh, listen, if it's money you want... No. Figures. It's not about money, is it? No. Mind telling me what this is all about? You're on my reality show. Though my show is actually about reality. No actors, no scripts. My show is about life. Your life. Now. Listen to me. I don't want to play. Find someone else to be on your stupid show. I suggest you get comfortable. You're not gonna let me go, are you? Goodbye. Hey, don't! Dad. Dad. This is just like some stupid movie, trapped in here by some psycho killer with no way out. Hey, you said it, Crawlspace. If you're gonna call yourself stupid, I'm not gonna stop you. Okay, okay, I'll admit it. There's actually something good here with the reality show angle. It has the potential to put the viewer in a position of being almost complicit in the actions we're watching. It makes us literally the audience for what's being done to this person, not just as a movie, as a viewer watching something quote-unquote real happening to someone. This was an idea I encountered a while ago and fell in love with on another movie called Last Girl. 
but that was done found footage style and really sold the idea. It really gave you this uncomfortable feeling and I would argue is one of the best uses of found footage I have seen. And it really takes things to a whole other level of what found footage means to be a viewer of such things. Unfortunately, Crawl Space does none of that and it's a good effort. Solid idea, not quite the right execution, and it's been done better already. The phone calls pause briefly so Mike can poke around the room a bit, but not for very long because naturally the phone rings again and, dude, just get an intercom. If you're gonna call down every five minutes, it'll save you a whole lot more effort and will remove the possibility of your victims calling the cops, which Mike has not done yet. Take a drink. Listen to me. Let me out. I won't tell anybody anything. I know you wouldn't. Right. So, you can let me out of this place. We don't need to do this. Do you know why you wouldn't tell anyone? Because I just want to go home. No, that's not it at all. You know if I let you go, you'd call the police first thing. No, I won't. I promise. I do. No, there is another reason. A deeper one. A reason of fear. Because I don't want to die. There are things more petrifying than death. Death is final. You see, you don't want to rot in a jail cell for the rest of your life. No, I don't want you to rot in jail. It's fair trade. My freedom for yours. You have no freedom. I know. But you could give it to me. If I were to call the police right now, what do you think they'd do to you? Let me go. But whose fingerprints are all over the place? It doesn't matter. They'll find you. Do you think they'll believe your story? A man captures you, but leaves no evidence? As far as you know, I don't exist. I don't even own this place. Then who does? You do. You bought it last year. You have my wallet. I have everything I need. This is my vacation house. You did your research. I did what I could. So what happens now? Now we start my show. Throughout the next three days, at random intervals, I will supply you with a task to accomplish. The tools are there, but you need to know how to use them. If you fail to do so correctly, you will be eliminated. I will be the last task, a fight to the finish, so to speak. There is no money, no car, and no house on the beach. My damnation is your compensation. Technically, since this is apparently Mike's vacation home, couldn't it actually be a house on the beach? And I don't know. I think the cops might believe a little bit of Mike's story here. I mean, he is chained up in his own basement. He probably didn't do that to himself. They could probably uncover some more evidence there. They might not be able to catch the guy, but Mike would probably get off the hook for this. And we do get a look at the director, and he's wearing this really clunky 
boxy, I guess, paper mache mask. And I don't know why he's wearing it when no one is watching him. Part of me wonders if they wanted him to have this kind of misshapen, malformed head, and they went with what they had to make. I mean, I know the real reason is because the director is the same actor as Mike, but having him always wearing this mask and never taking it off just seems a little strange and strains at credulity for me. But anyway, since it's been a few minutes, the director calls back down in the next clip. Now, on to the first undertaking. Would you like to meet the competition face to face? Will you show your face to me? All you need to do is let me in. And if at any time you fail, you will suffocate in a matter of minutes. Try checking the panel near the dresser. Even if you blocked off the room, there's enough air down here to last a couple of hours. Air is the least of your concerns. You got it. Carbon monoxide. Where are you? Right above you, watching, learning your fear. Now, go to the door. Come by the door now. Then open it. Let's <gasps> go down! I won't open the door! Then you lose. Put the gun down! And the logical weirdness continues because Mike here had the gun cocked behind the door and he starts shouting for the director to put the gun down or he won't open the door. But how will Mike know if he puts the gun down since there's a door in the way and he can't see? Trust me, that will be the least of the problems by the time this movie is over with. And since Mike is refusing to open the door, he is almost immediately incapacitated and about to pass out. Why? Carbon monoxide does not work that way. Also on top of that, don't you gotta go out, start the car, let it run for a while to get the gas going? I would almost let this happen because I do accept the existence of remote car starters. Not that we've seen anything like that, but any connection to reality to make this work would have been nice at this point. This is going to be a recurring theme of this movie. Decent ideas that they have the end point for, but they don't do the legwork to make them work with any sort of reality. You see the idea of the car hooked up to pipes to gas the room, and that's fine. That works. And when it's used and you start to see why that doesn't work the way they want it to work, you sit there and go, but if they just did this one line here or two lines there or showed a prop, it, it just fails to do that tiny little bit to get from point A to point C. Anyways, rant over for now. Mike struggles with the last of his strength and consciousness to reach up and he just barely touches the door and it flings open. You could sneeze on this door and it would fly open it with that reaction. And in an instant, it's like the carbon monoxide stops, Mike is full of life, he's up and running around and getting out of the way of the door before the gun goes off, and air does not work this way. <laughs> Whatever. Mike gets out of the way before he gets shot in the face, and also the director flings in a torso. Which, I'm not sure if the torso is supposed to be the guy from the start of the movie, or the other dead body. One or the other, I guess, or maybe he'll be thrown in again later. But as Mike checks out the torso, the phone rings again. Listen to me. I'm done. Send me home. 
Would you rather have your girlfriend take your place? Ashley is her name, I believe. You know, if you go home, the show must still go on until someone survives to stop me. I need to have my eye on the replacement. Please. Leave her out of this. I know. I'm such a cruel man. But when there is no love, all you have left is hate. I'll let you rest up. After the call, Mike starts getting back to taking stock of his surroundings. He grabs any loose item he can find, starts piling it up on a board in the center of the room. Dude, are you cleaning? This is not the time to be straightening things out. But after doing all that, Mike starts to wonder a legitimately important question. How did he get there? And so we get a flashback to see how he got there. Or at least that's what it should be because all we get is Mike talking to his girlfriend on the phone, walking into his house, and we're back in the crawl space. That, that really didn't tell us anything except he has a girlfriend, which will be delivered in dialogue shortly anyways. A twist that would have been nice, that would have made sense to establish the girlfriend more thoroughly here, would have been if, for whatever reason, they could have come up with something if the girlfriend was the director and she was the one responsible for all this. After his flashback, Mike decides to get some sleep, and I always worry when movies decide, you know what, the plot's going fine, let's take a step back, slow things down, and let our characters sleep. Because if done wrong, the audience can kinda tune into your idea there and tune out of the movie because the plot's slowing down. But before we can doze off, the movie does one of the worst jump scare tricks in the world by having the phone ring again, and they crank up the volume a whole lot more than they've ever done it before so far in this movie. It made me jump for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. It's time to phone a friend. I'll give you one phone call. You call whomever you'd like to come and get you. Even the police? As you wish. No, wait. I want to dial the number myself. Ryan, I have a huge problem. It's gonna sound completely ridiculous, but please, listen to me. Some nut's playing some kind of game with me. I'm locked in a crawl space. He's killed two people already. I need to get out of here. You have to come get me out of here. What? How'd this happen? I don't know. Honest. I just woke up here. Now you're serious. This isn't some kind of joke. No. I'm serious. So, how am I supposed to find you? I don't know. I think I'm at my vacation home, but it could just be a house with a similar layout. The guy upstairs is crazy. It could just be another mind game. Okay. I'll go to your vacation house and check it out. Okay. Go around to the side. I'm in the crawl space. Bye. So Mike is given his one phone call by the director, and I gotta ask, why not just call anyone at any point during any of this with the phone sitting right there? Not once has the director said, you can't call anyone. Not once has Mike tried to pick up the phone and call someone. Again, it's that thing of, they have an idea, but they don't do all the necessary work to get the logic running. And why do you not call the cops? 
why do you call your best friend? Hey Ryan, here's an idea. You don't know what to do? You call the cops. Call the professionals. Say you got a call from your friend, explain the situation as best as you know how, and hey, they can actually look into a missing person. It's what the police do. If Mike tells you he was home and kidnapped from his house, you tell the cops that, and they have a place to even start. And my voice is going higher and higher, cause I got it It's like this movie has no idea how phones, air, cars, people, police, society, anything actually works. And the frustrating thing is, these are all easily fixable problems, especially the phone. You just have Mike pick up the phone to try to call out, and all he gets is static, or a dead line, or an open line, and he hears the director puttering around making dinner, I don't know. But all you gotta do is take five seconds, maybe one line of dialogue, to establish the kidnapper won't let him call out. It's not hard. I solved the problem here just in three seconds. Anyways, off the soapbox. Mike suddenly notices a camera stuck to the wall up in the corner, and he's somehow surprised by this. Did you think the director wasn't serious when he said he was making a reality show? Mike grabs a board to bash at the camera in the corner and, dude, dude, just reach over and pull it off the wall. It's a lot less effort. It's not that securely placed up there. All right, all right, I'm coming. You shouldn't have done that. Come down here and replace it yourself, coward. I will. Director dude could just gas Mike and be done with this at this point, but instead he gives Mike enough time to try to devise a trap for him. Meanwhile, Ryan actually drives up to the vacation house with no backup whatsoever because, of course, he didn't call the cops. Ryan creeps around the house, finds the grate on the side of the wall that Mike keeps looking out to see the car that's connected to the wall through some tubing, and Ryan takes his bat to... I don't know. I guess his plan is to bash down a cinder block wall with a baseball bat, but I don't think that's gonna work. But he never gets the chance to figure that out for himself because he immediately gets shot in the face. Hey Mike, your plan worked great. We hear the director angrily stomping around upstairs and... What did you expect to happen? You said, call anyone. He calls his friend to get help. Why so pissed? But the director comes downstairs, flings open the door to the crawl space. Mike dives across the crawl space to grab the cord and unplug the lights, and I think what we see is supposed to be gunshots, but it's so clearly just someone flicking the lights on and off. And I mean, he, he comes down here, he's all pissed that someone came by to try and save Mike, and now he's so pissed off that he's going to kill Mike himself. What is your plan here? The director stomps back off after shooting blindly into the light, and he did manage to wing Mike a bit, and Mike hilariously rips off his shirt like he's Hulk Hogan to use it as a tourniquet. The phone rings again, and Mike is so pissed off he flings the phone across the crawlspace, which just pisses off the director for not having his directions followed. And we soon hear a rustling outside as the director is dragging Ryan's body away. He gets into the car, turns it on, and starts to gas Mike. And see? That's how that's supposed to work. In the collection of junk Mike has found all around the room, he has one of those braided wire rope things, and he coils it up to make a loop that he feeds out the tiny grate to use to try and hook the bat, and from there I don't know what his plan was. Watching Mike struggle to hook the bat with the wire shows exactly why this is a bad idea. I mean, what is he planning to do? Slowly chip away at the wall with the bat he can swing maybe an inch? Anyways, Mike gets gassed, he doesn't quite pass out, but he's really woozy and laying on the floor. The director comes in, and 
Didn't we establish half an hour ago that the influx of air immediately revived Mike? Uh, why do I expect consistency? But the director bizarrely leaves the shotgun in there and leaves. I guess he stops gassing Mike because he gets up and that leads into the next clip. If you have one bullet, will you shoot me and kill yourself? Or will you shoot the pipes and let me live? What's important to you right now? What is in your future? Live or die, Mike. Make your choice. He ends up going with shooting the pipes, which I'm gonna say is probably the right choice. Always, 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 always go with the solution that will solve the immediate problem first. Because that will buy you time to solve the next problem in line, and the next, and the next. Shoot the pipes and live for now, and that gives you time to figure out your captivity and the director and everything else. So as Mike passes out from whatever, the director chortles to himself because he's oh so very pleased that Mike has put his fingerprints all over the murder weapon. So now it's an open and shut case. Yeah, but what? There's enough overall weirdness here that I highly doubt the cops would be like, well, he clearly shot his friend from the tiny grate with the shotgun inside the basement. Let's go home, boys. Mike gets woken up because the director is slowly dripping water on his head being fed from outside. And then we see a live wire being slowly dipped in and out of the water, electrocuting Mike. So this is a really elaborate way to poke at someone. I mean, how exactly is the wire being dipped into the water? We don't see the director. He's not in the room. But after getting his jollies electrocuting Mike for a bit, the director walks in in the next clip. This is your last task. If you kill me, you walk free. Now, stand up. I can't. So weak at the edge of darkness. But it is not time to give up. It is time to fight. Stand up. I can't. Bastard. Other paths are more painful. The adrenaline will give you strength. Please, stand. Mind over matter. You're physically exhausted, but mentally strong. So full of anger, I give you one free swing. Which he then immediately proceeds to not allow Mike to take. Liar liar, paper mache mask on fire. And you know what? If this fight ends up happening, it's going to be hilariously hunched over. But Mike's refusal to get up is not good enough for the director, so he starts stabbing him with a box cutter to get his adrenaline going. Or maybe steal a kidney. I don't know at this point. They struggle for a bit as best anyone can in a crawl space. Mike sees the live wire hanging behind him, reaches out to grab it to use on the director, and it's a big bare metal wire. Mike should not be grabbing this with his bare hands. But hey, let's just add electricity to the long, long list of things this movie does not understand how it works. The director is busily taunting Mike, saying, 
I was sure you'd win. When Mike grabs the wire, jabs the director with it, and gives out a triumphant, I did win! In a better movie, I almost would have cheered at this point. I kinda wanted to with this, but at this point I just wanted to be over with. While the director does the electric boogaloo, Mike crawls his way out toward the door and... Wow. Wow! They totally ripped off the very last shot of the original Saw movie as Mike slams the crawl space door shut on the director. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. But not you. Not anymore. The movie ends with Mike walking off into the forest, and the movie not answering a single God's damned question. As Mike stumbles off into the forest to hopefully die from his wounds for putting me through this, we get a final voiceover from the director, and we get to see his eyes flash open, and that's how I'm gonna wrap this up before giving my final thoughts. You hunger for freedom, yet freedom is a delicacy you will never taste again. Your body may leave the crawl space, but your mind never will. You will be haunted in your dreams forever, and forever you will watch your back. And whenever you're not looking, that's where I'll be, standing behind you, watching, waiting, because I know how you function. When you complete one task, you move on to the next, you walk away, and never look back. Crawl Space is... it's one of those ideas where someone went, Hey, I want to make a movie, it's gonna be me, maybe two or three other people I can rope into this. What's the simplest thing I can do that's just going to be me filming stuff and have access to no one else? And typically, one guy locked in a place trying to figure his way out, there you go. It's an idea that can work, but not in this movie, not anywhere close. As I repeatedly pointed out, the logic of this movie is almost non-existent. It's stuff that would not have been hard for them to just do a little bit of work to bring this movie up just a tiny bit. Would have fixed so many more problems. And while yeah, it still would have been a no-budget movie with its share of plot holes, it could have at least been something enjoyable and not have me sitting there for... 15 minutes going, why, why, why is this happening, what's going on, stuff doesn't work that way. If you're looking for something really terrible and just to rip apart on, sit down and watch Crawl Space. It's about 55 minutes, it's bad in just about the right sort of entertaining way, but at the same time it's bad. Don't watch this. I I've really got nothing more to say about this, I've been yelling at it for 30 minutes, you know my feelings. Uh, it's got some base entertainment value deep down to laugh at the movie and have some fun with friends watching this, I guess, but otherwise, stay away. Go watch the original Saw movie. And that wraps up the 11th episode of The Bloodstream. Next episode will be the first episode of October, and I've got some fun plans for that stuff. I've got a couple Halloween movies planned. Not Halloween Halloween movies, but movies about Halloween. And I've got something special coming up in a couple weeks if... If you know me, and you know some of the other stuff I do, you can probably guess what episode that will be, when it should be released. You might even be able to guess the movie, but I'm not going to say much for now. Also, I'm working on a project to do a streaming marathon of the best of the worst of movies I've reviewed on for my other site, Trisk. 
and I'll throw in occasional stuff from here. I'm only going to be posting about that on the Blood Henry Facebook page. So go over there, join the group, and join me for some really bad movies throughout the month of October. Sit back, watch them with me. It'll be a blast. As always, you can shoot me an email to suggest movies, talk about the show, whatever, over at foenix at gmail.com. As I said, we're on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show there. Give us ratings and reviews. That's always a big help. You can find it on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. You can find my other work at triskadecafiles.com. That's the home of the show. I got nothing more to say right now. I'm going to get out of this crawl space. So take care and keep streaming.
Don't worry. <laughs> It'll only hurt. A lot. <laughs>